0: Hi, and welcome to Recovered, a podcast from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Dallas, Texas, and known by many as Maggie's. My name is Stephanie, and I'm a recovered alcoholic on staff at the Magdalene House. Each week, I have the pleasure of conducting a live interview with an alcoholic woman in recovery for the participants who are currently in our Next Step program. Whether you're in recovery yourself, contemplating giving it a try, or just supporting someone who is, we are so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. Today, we're doing our podcast series, Recovered Interviews with Alcoholic Women. And so I'm really excited about today's guest. Tiffany was suggested by a graduate. And I had the pleasure of getting to talk to her yesterday. You know, we've always had conversations whenever um, she overnighted and we had a lot in common as far as our history um, with being a mom and how it was not easy for me to get my daughter back. And I know that um, Tiffany can relate to that as well. And so we, we connected on that um, from the very beginning. And so I, whenever I got to talk to her last night or yesterday, it's very obvious that um, she's connected to a power greater than herself and has a lot of insight that she can offer. And so I'm super excited about, about this one. Um, I'm excited about all of them, but I'm really excited about this one. And also letting you guys know too, that if you have somebody that you want to hear on here, you can definitely let me know the only requirement is that they've had a spiritual awakening and they have at least a year of sobriety. So I'm going to hand it over to Tiffany and Tiffany, if you can just give us a little bit of background information about yourself and what led you to getting sober this time. Hi, good morning, ladies. Well,
1: first I am Tiffany and I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic, grateful for alcoholism, not just being recovered. Um, my sobriety date is 7-9-19, and that was the last time I went through Maggie's, which was 3.2 times. What do you want to know, Steph?
0: Just a little bit of background, like to qualify yourself as an alcoholic, just so we can get a little bit of uh, what it was like before. Sure. Yeah.
1: So um, I was not always an alcoholic. Um, I think that's what's interesting about this program is that the alcoholism as uh, my step one revealed to me is about my body and my mind and anyone at any point in their lives can have that experience. Some people are from their first drink, but for me, it wasn't, I, um, I was just a normal social drinker, normal college indulge every once in a while. Um, but I could, you know, I was running big companies. I could stop when I needed to, cause I had something to do. I could not want it because I needed to be clear headed. Um, And then in about 2012, in hindsight, I took a sabbatical after my divorce, and that turned into alcoholism. And I went to my first treatment in 2013. And I have no idea the count of how many from the most expensive to forced state run two weeks after suicide attempt type of situations, hospitals, detoxes. And like I said, Maggie's. Three. And one time I walked out the back gate. So that one doesn't count. And um, I did not want to accept that I was an alcoholic. At some point, about three years into it, I could say I was an alcoholic, but never without feeling like there was something wrong with me when I said it. And now I say it freely. And the shame is gone because of the results of the steps. But I tried everything. I tried, um, you know, I tried getting demons cast out of me. I flew to Switzerland and was in therapy for three weeks. I tried yoga. I tried meditation. I tried acupuncture and Reiki and anything you can think of medicine that makes you sick when you drink. I tried therapy. Like I said, I tried every sort of craving drug. I just, just everything. And uh, finally in 2019, it Was not my worst relapse in the sense that some of us think of that as uh, as consequences. It was my worst relapse because and my step one. And when I realized and was honestly look back at the year and a half before that, I'd only drank on two occasions and I'd had five or six months of sobriety. But if I was honest with those. Um, I was always thinking about alcohol when I was sober, always, always like, even if it was in a good way, like I didn't drink today, I didn't drink today. And then at the end of that, but looking at it, those occasions, those two or three occasions, I could not stop drinking on my own. I had to be put in hospital, called the cops on myself to put me in a hospital because I was out of money or my final time was getting to Maggie's. And I only came to Maggie's because I needed a place to sober up without reaching out to the burned bridges I'd had of friends and family to to physically remove it from me. And I, like the book says, was ready to just take my intolerable situation and learn to live with it and just relapse every six months. And and that was going to be my life.
0: Awesome. Thank you. I mean, that's not awesome, but So weird. Okay. I've never said I've never said this to anybody, but I thought I was the only one who tried to get demons cast out of them to stop uh drinking and using. And then I just hear uh you're the first person ever that has had that experience too. What a small world. (laughs) Does anybody have any questions before we get into anything? You guys can speak up at any time. You can type questions in. It doesn't matter. I just want to let you know that I went through something uh, like that as well. Uh, It was called spiritual. um, Oh, shoot. What was it called? But yeah, I did it through my church. So yeah, I know exactly. Spiritual warfare therapy. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. there's three three in the pod. We might have some real
1: alcoholics on here. I don't know. And you know, and part of that is, you know, Steph and I talked briefly yesterday. Part of that is my stuff too, right? So when it says that we can choose to blot out the toler, you know, the our intolerable situation and go to the bitter end, or we can accept spiritual help. I thought I'd already accepted spiritual help, right? Because I had had that done. That was the most intense thing we could do at my church spiritually, right? And um, and I was like that didn't work. So I thought I was. I, I it was the other way. I didn't realize what the steps really were about. I thought I'd already tried that. So I'm definitely you know doomed to live this way.
0: Yes, and I think that's actually a perfect segue into what we can talk about first, which is I don't know you can talk about however much you want. But I loved yesterday, whenever we were talking how you came in and you were hearing about selfishness and self centeredness, and how you're like, Oh, my God, these women like need therapy, you know, how are they supposed to help me, they need to like heal themselves. And so I would just love it if you could talk about Step two, but also like self and the way self manifests and how your sponsor was able to help you. Because there might be somebody listening to this podcast or even on here now that thinks the same thing, and I just loved it. So if you could talk on that, I would appreciate it. Yeah,
1: so I'm probably going to say something some of you have heard before, but I, I won't caveat that again. So I apologize. But so I I tried the steps, right. I went through Maggie's I'd been to treatments and started. No, I'd never finished the steps, but, um, you know, I would get to three, I get to seven, eight started, I get to nine. Um, and then I remember one time driving and making a phone call to my sponsor at the time then, and I was on step nine and, um, I had told her something that I'd done for work. And she said, um, "Don't make any major decisions about calling me." And I was like, "Excuse me? Like?" And this just is the story to show my ego and why it took me so long to get sober. I was like, "I have been running these companies for 15 years, and I don't need to talk to you about what my inside counsel and outside counsel have agreed on to sign a contract." Like it was just. And I hung up the phone, and I remember where I was by Maggie's. I literally pulled into a liquor store. Like it was that fast. Then you know another. Point in time after that, I had come to Maggie's and everyone knew who my sponsor was going to be this time. And Tiffany's really desperate. I was a mess and all of the things, right? And um, I got out and I went to do my fifth step in a fifth step room, um, a local group, and was there. And my sponsor was having a difficult time with me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I look up and Lisa is there. And um, she was my sponsor's sponsor. And I argued my way through that fifth step. And I don't even think we finished the fifth step, honestly, if my, my memory serves me right. I, you know, for example, I had a resentment, my husband left me for the nanny. Like, how, how am I to blame for that? Like, how is how was I selfish, inconsiderate, dishonest? Um, those were all him. Like, argue, argue, argue. And sure enough, you know. I can't remember Elise's exact words, but it's almost you know like the book says is you've got some more drinking to do, <laughs> and then four years later I end up back in Maggie's only because I needed a place to detox. That was not my intention to get recovered. I didn't think it was possible, and I remember picking up one of my chips four or five months and um, having just gotten off the phone with my sponsor in the car on a 10 step and her telling me that I was manipulative and selfish and telling me why. And my reaction to her was 180 from my fifth step that I was arguing through. I was very grateful. I was like, oh my gosh, yay. You're right. That is manipulative. And I see that. Right. And so what Steph was alluding to is that I remember sitting in Maggie's more than once and hearing Tina or someone say, I'm so selfish. I'm full of fear, you know, and me going, oh my God, I wouldn't want my child to be around that person. That's like, there's her self-esteem, you know? Um, And then this personality change, y'all God created me to be Tiffany and I'm pretty awesome if I'm not drinking. So why would I want to change my personality or even like that's conformity. That's a cult. This is crazy. You know, or I'd look at the steps on the wall and I'd be like, oh, there's some, there's a lot of good stuff in here. It's very good, but you know what? There's no self-forgiveness here. So there's something like this isn't a complete program. That was, I mean, that was me to a T at Maggie's di- dissecting everything. Then, you know, people asked me what was different this time. And I said, I just follow directions. A friend that I met in treatment, um, who was, who leads meetings in 2012, my first treatment, we met with both of our first treatments and, um, we both had a long ride. And, you know, the book says, a message that has depth and weight must reach these alcoholics. Right. And, uh, right before that, it says brought the emotional appeal. And I had never thought what is more depth and weight than my daughter crying because CPS removed her to live with my, her dad, right. Begging me to not drink begging me, watching me blow and panicked if my alarm goes off and I don't blow right away right? That's what she was going through. How, what is more depth and weight than that? And then this time I realized the depth and weight was this girl who I went to treatment with and meds and we'd relapsed together. And I'd been in Maggie's once and had to have the cops call me at Maggie's. So I could verbally give the fire department permission. Cause she'd broken into my house and was had wine bottles all around her. Like she's a real deal alcoholic too. And she came to me, we met, we reconnected um, in the beginning of 2019. And she challenged me, she said, just do the effing steps. And she was four years sober at the time. And that is the depth and weight. This girl that is, and I think I'm, I'm the alcoholic of the century. She's, I don't know. I don't know. And she was four years sober. That was my depth and weight to say, what do I do, Lauren? And she said, just effing finish the steps this time. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. And so that's kind of where I was with that. But going back to self, it is one of the, when I say I'm grateful for alcoholism, it's because I know for me personally, and this is, you know, there's nothing in the book that can back this up, but I know I was given at certain times in my life opportunities, whether it was through the Christian world, whether it was through the new age world to live the way I'm living. Right. And I desire to, I look back through my journals when I'm 14, that I know things are better when I pray and meditate or whatever. And it says at the end of you know step 11, we alcoholics are undisciplined. So we let God discipline us in the way that it's just outlined. And that was it for me. And um, there's a girl in my group that says, I am now the woman that I always thought I was. And to me, that is exactly my story. I am the woman I always thought it was because of alcoholism, because I've been given the opportunity to live this way. I will forever be grateful to be an alcoholic.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. I love that. I, one of the things I did want to talk to you about specifically, if you don't mind is, you know, that resentment that you had against your husband to a normal drinker, someone who doesn't have to live by spiritual principles to live, That's like a really justified resentment. And so what did you find out as far as fourth column stuff? And what would you tell the woman who has a quote unquote justified resentment? What was that selfishness that you found through that process? Do you mind sharing that? Yeah. So in that fifth step this
1: time around, he's still on there, right? Years later, he's still the number one thing when I sit down with my current sponsor and, um, you know, what does the book say? And then this is the whole point of this program, right? This whole 5% of alcoholics in AA stay sober, which is not a bet I want to take. Or if we read one of the four words, right? 75% and then some eventually do because the way it was outlined in the book. So me arguing through my first, my fifth step, but then not reading, what does it say? Taking out the person involved. You cover up that column, right? When you get to your fourth column and where was I selfish? You know, so Tiffany, were you ever selfish with him? Um, yeah. Were you ever dishonest with him? Yeah. Were you ever inconsiderate to your husband? Yeah. You know, and we had a few details. She doesn't, I, she, she didn't want many, she, you know, she's the, I, I don't need to know more. You know, it's not about that. And, um, uh, but Wow. What a revelation to go, oh my God, I am selfish. And the manipulative part, like turning a cold shoulder, that's manipulative to get what you want. You want a hug or you want, you know, that is, so there's so many avenues. So for me, this whole thing is finding the gift in these things that come up because every time I'm in selfishness, dishonesty and fear, all of those things, that's just a gift. That's like a treasure hunt to find, oh my God, this is something now. Cool. I see you. I want you removed because I want to be a conduit for God's light, Right. And, um, when it comes to him, I just had a mini fist up that wasn't about him that turned into him yesterday. (laughs) And it is, it is again, remembering that, oh my God, we are all God's kids and he has got a unique spiritual path and it is dishonest for me in a million ways to think that I know where he is spiritually, what God's plan is for him, what is supposed to be like, I mean, can you guys do the mind F of trying to figure out not just why we're all in the zoom call right now, not why if I go here, I'm going to meet someone. If I take a ride, I'll do something else. And that affects the infinity of people on the planet. Like that is what's going on, but I don't have to know. God knows all those things. So all I know is that if I'm aligned with God, what's in front of me, is exactly what's supposed to be that that moment like I know that I'm not always good at it but I know that
0: awesome thank you does anybody else have a question I do yeah go ahead hi Tiffany I'm kind of struggling with my um sponsee sponsor relationship so what do you think the job of a sponsor is what should a sponsor be to a sponsee or vice versa Oh, I think that's a great
1: question. Sandra. My sponsor's job and my job with my sponsee is to direct my sponsor back to God. To, to, to be a at the beginning, there's a lot of reliance on your sponsor. Right. And that was, that was key for me to put aside my questioning, just follow directions. And, you know, you've heard it said, and it's true. She said well you don't have your brain right now and at some point i got my brain back i can't remember when it was but she started letting me think a little bit more for myself but at the beginning and you see with evidence later on that oh my god i would have balked at that i wouldn't have done it but if they're not hard things to do right but my sponsor 100 percent. what does the 10 step say we don't 10 step until we go to god first and the point of the 11th step is to stay in conscious contact with god right It's not that we are relying on our sponsor. There's nothing in the book that says rely on another alcoholic. It says rely on God, depend on God. The other alcoholics, yes, there's all these promises about the relationships and the joy and the support, but it's always, always about a spiritual awakening and staying connected with God. And my sponsor and my role as a sponsor has a forest for the trees view. And because she has been through something that I haven't been through and again, I needed some evidence. Evidence shows me um, there's a part in I think it's at the end of two lives or at the being beginning of the family afterward that says, you know, we're, we're sorry that we're lecturing, but it's because this is a this has been a pained experience for us. You know, we don't intend to lecture. They say at the end, but it, we've learned this the hard way. And because after a few months of knowing my sponsor, and you know, and she's been my sponsor now for almost twenty months. I now take her word for things a lot more. And if I don't see it immediately, I 100% ask for willingness. And I think there's only been one thing in 20 months that after prayer, I I just don't see it. And um, it's normally she can see something that I cannot see. And yes, now we're a little bit more friends than we used to be, but she is not The friends that I'm buddy buddy with, right? She's not Kristen to me or someone where we can text anything we want. When I go to her, it is to have a perspective that I do not have. And she always, always asks me if I prayed before I called her. And she always directs me what to pray when we hang up.
0: Uh, I love that. Thank you. Does anybody else have a question? Okay. So, there was something that I definitely did want to ask you. Oh, yes, not to be talking about your uh, ex husband all the time, but I do think it is important because ever since I've known you, you have been working so hard for your daughter. And it is so inspiring to me, and I think to so many women, because You have not stopped fighting, but you have also not lost trust in God and you're still sober. And I just think that you're such a a strong woman in so many aspects, but especially this area. So do you mind talking to the women or women who are listening who maybe don't have their kids right now?
1: Yeah. So, um, I remember, uh, talking to Stephanie outside the, the door to the office at Maggie's about her situation and, and mine is similar. I didn't physically get to see my daughter uh, more than five minutes for about two years. And when I, my ex was finally temporarily ordered to let me see her three times a month. I had not physically seen her since January. So it had been, you know, 10, 10 and a half months. And when I saw her, she was running from me at school. Um, because of things she'd been told. And it has been crazy, right? I'm living exactly how I want to live, but I don't have my daughter. You know, and then there's two sides to that is it is a long period of reconstruction, right? And um, it says it another way. And the family afterward is that these buildings won't go up again. You know, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened, but when they do with time, the book says, they will be, I think it says even finer than they were before finer buildings. And um, I think the key for me is being faced with the one thing that I couldn't do, right? I could do anything or I could rationalize that I did something really well, even if it didn't turn out or that I can come up with a new solution or that all of those things. But what alcohol for me was the one thing, I can't think of anything else in my whole entire life I could not do was stop drinking. I could not do that. And when that obsession was removed, all of a sudden, if God can do the one thing that I can't do, and I finally saw that I was trying in self to run the show, even when it came to a solution for alcoholism, right? Not realizing that alcohol wasn't my problem, but it was me. I was able to go, okay, God, if you can do the one thing I can't do, wow, then I, there's no point to not give everything to you. And you just like that sort of time scenario and what's going on every second on the planet, like, who am I really to say that my daughter's time with her dad, not seeing me is going to shape her in a way that God designed. Right. Just because it was my weekend and I didn't get her. What if she heard something I do? Part of my work is I do interviews with really successful people. And there's a lot of times there's one moment in their life, whether it was at a library or a book they picked up or someone by chance they met that said something and that changed the direction of their life. Right. And who am I to say that that is, I, I know the best for my daughter because I've learned through this program that I don't always know the best, right. That's self-reliance when I think I know. That's me and ego and me and, and, um, and so there is a deep piece, you know, the book says that, um, when we see connected with him, he enables us to match calamity with serenity and on paper, this has been crazy. I mean, I just had a thing and I still need Stephanie and no details, but it's, it's just, it's still going and it still will be going for a while, probably, and probably another year of this. But there is a deep peace because if I trust an infinite God and not finite selves, not my ex, not the judge, not my daughter, not me. If I trust an infinite God and not finite selves, then 100%, if God is, if he is the power, if he is the source of my solution, right. And I'm connected to that and I trust it, then 100%, I believe that she is exactly where she's supposed to be. And that boggles my mind. That's a miracle because I drank over it. I tried to kill myself over it. And to be able to have that is 100% not from me. And that is a gift of this program too. There is a deep sense for the first time in my life that God is doing things and it's not me. You know, people used to, I used, you know, going back to the church thing, I used to remember growing up, you know. People would clap and they'd be like, oh, it's not me, it's God. And I'm like, oh, that false humility, you know, that's there's me again. But I now know when things happen. And because I've stayed connected with God, I can go, that was in me to have a peace. You know, it says, take away my difficulties, right? In the third step prayer, that is not bring me back my daughter, help me pay this IRS bill because I was an alcoholic and didn't file for five years, right? That is not my difficulties. What my difficulties are is me in fear, me being selfish, me not trusting God, me trying to run the show. And so the third step promise for me, and one of the third step promises is peace, right? To fully realize that I've offered my will and my life, right? And my life includes lively. And that means that I completely trust God. I can now see, and I have evidence, that this is not me, that serenity was not me because that is not the way Tiffany acts in situations that seem tragic.
0: Yes, thank you so much. I, the whole time you we were talking, I have a sponsee that I was just like, oh my God, I wish she was here to hear all of me, what you're saying. And I just, I think your, your daughter is so lucky to have you, you know, and that you're just such a good mom and it just brings me, brings me to tears. Does anybody have a question? Yes, yes. I have a question. First of all, I just want to say, uh, I love you, Tiffany. But what took you so many years and months to actually turn it over? Because I am going through a similar situation and have been doing it for a while. And the self-pity and the uh, remorse and the guilt always comes back. When I'm sober, how do you manage to be able to give so much despite of what you're going through? That's what I want to ask you. Um,
1: You know, the first thing that pops to my mind is um, we see how our experience can benefit others. And that has been something that's come up over and over in this time for me, that this experience can benefit others that lively has an avenue to help other little girls that my openness about it has helped other people get through something. And when it comes to the beginning and self-pity and shame, I mean, um, yeah, absolutely. Right. Because at the very beginning, 10 stepping all the time, you know, how did I set the ball rolling? Well, you know, the, the blanket answer all the time, is because I destroyed and made wreckage because of my alcoholism. But there's deeper than that too, right? And staying close to my sponsor at the beginning was key. I mean, there's definitely times she said, okay, today you're just gonna feel, right? You're gonna go put your head on the floor when we get off of this call and you're gonna not focus on, you know, sound like others, 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 you know, sometimes you this is why sponsors so key, right? I didn't know what to do, but just say, God, I need some water. I'm wilting. And, and that surrender too, and to remember what it says before the third step, there is no, what self-pity, all of those things are still self, and there is no way to get rid of self with self. And so when we're in those things, we have to turn to God. We have to say, okay, if this is right in front of me, then what am I supposed to learn? You know? And again, it sponsorship is so key because the opposite of self-pity is gratefulness. And, um, remorse that morbid reflection, all of those things are, are, are something that, you know, when you go through your fifth step, part of that is for your sponsor to see your patterns. It's not to know the details. You know, I didn't get that when my sponsor told me to stop giving her details as we're going down the list, you know, eventually those come things come out and your sponsor knows you, but it's, you see someone's patterns. And my pattern was, making a God out of my relationships. And it still is. Everyone's different. My sponsor is very open that her pattern is control and manipulation. So something might happen for me where I am in control and manipulation, or it looks like it to someone else, but she knows it's not for me. Right. But her sponsor can call her out and be like, no, 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 you don't do that. It's okay for that person. But that's because that's your, your, your character defect. Right. And so all all I can say on that one is, you know, without knowing the situation, you know, then it is definitely a sponsor's insight and going to God. And, and it changes the longer you're sober that your 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 10 steps change and that's a normal process you know my sponsors even said you know i didn't 10 step for the first time in sobriety for like a week and i was like oh my god what's wrong with me like what do i let's talk and figure out you know and she's like there's just a natural progression sometimes i was in a new relationship you know i'm seeing things in rose-colored glasses <laughs> you know it's like if you're in a good mood the guy that's biting his nails doesn't bother you if you're in a bad mood it's the most annoying thing ever right which is just being connected to God, right. I've seen someone as love too, but when it comes to self-pity and all of that, um, you know, my, my sponsor just, I, I love the, the perspective she gives me cause it's curious. We're never going to get rid of ego. That's not the point. The point is to be able to see, okay, like you, there's, there's a speck on the window, right. Uh, but it's okay. I, I, I I, that's, but then another spec and we don't tend to step in another spec and all of a sudden the sunlight of the spirit can't come in and we don't realize it's built up and building up. And a lot of self-pity comes from resentments. You can have a resentment against yourself. And so it, it's, again, a good sponsor can be like, okay, this isn't really self-pity. This is fear, or this isn't really self-pity. It's resentment. And, um, and I don't know how many times I call my sponsor thinking I'm 10 stepping something. And just recently it's dishonesty and, oh, that is all of a sudden changes it. And I have a release of, okay, now that I know what it was that I can say, okay, I see you find it distasteful and I'm asking God to remove it. And now I know, right now I know what I'm looking for in my life. And instead of this amorous, like. Um, maybe, you know, I think it's this, and it really wasn't the whole time. Once you know what it is, then you can be aware of it and be on guard for
0: it. Right. Love that. Thank you. I know Andrea had a question. Hi, everyone. Yeah. Tiffany, I was wondering, um, if you don't mind me asking, how does your daughter and is she going through counseling or therapy? And would you recommend that?
1: So I, again, I get a lot of direction from my sponsor and, um, she's connected me some child therapists, even before I got to see her again, just to know how to approach the situation of a child that said she's been abandoned when she wasn't. And, um, she is, she just turned 11 in December. God again, really took over this one because I didn't even know how to approach it. And she, I had all of these. Things to say lined up when it was her opportunity, you know, and counselors that had said, um, you know, let her guide the conversation. You don't sit her down and say this, that and the other. But she found the papers, all these enforcement papers, files and files and files over the last year. We have we have multiple suits going on right now and for different violations. And um, she found them. And basically, it said every time I knocked on the door, every time I called, every time I was denied entrance. And she now knows that mom was still there, was trying, as opposed to mom abandoned her. Now, when it comes to counselors, we've asked, and it's in the order he um, he's been ordered more than once to take her to this counselor. And her and I have talked about it that you know, minus if you're in danger, you can tell her anything you want, you know, and it's a safe place. And um, so she's prepared when he finally we'll take her there. Um, but I have, again, I took, I I sought counsel on this and, um, and yes, um, that is what I was advised by attorneys. She has her own attorney. We hired her own attorney. Um, so we have three attorneys involved and, and counseling was suggested. And so we took that advice. And I think that that's wonderful.
0: Thank you. Anyone else? All right. Well, I definitely know this is kind of taking a left turn here maybe, but I definitely want to make sure that we talk about step 11 because we just had a step 11 workshop yesterday. And I know that that is something that you're super disciplined in. I think it's one of the reasons why in our five minute conversation, it was very apparent that I was talking to someone who was connected to a power greater than themselves. And so do you mind talking about your journey with step 11 and the importance of it?
1: Yeah. So, um, Logistic wise, my step 11 always, um, I was saying that I can't remember a day there might be one where I haven't read pages 86 through 88. And there's other places in the book that, you know, doing big book studies, I've added to that those pages, you know, there's on page 164, it says, ask each mor- day and morning meditation for the man who is still sick. You know, earlier on page like 84, it says each morning we ask for patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. So I pretty much never even get out of bed. I ask for patience, kindliness, tolerance, and love. And then most of the time I make coffee because my brain cannot even, I've, I've tried before to <laughs> read it on my phone or in the book before. And, um, it's like one of the times when you read a book and you realize you read the page and you have no idea what it said. So um, for me, not everyone does that. i am always in awe of the women that don't need their coffee first, but I make my coffee and I sit outside um, or wherever I am at the team. I travel a lot. So I've got stuff on my phone. Um, I read through it. I say the third step prayer. When I get to that, um, that part in there, I sometimes I say the seventh step prayer, my sponsor of, few months into my sobriety, when we got to step 11, had me put an alarm on my phone twice a day. Um, and I thought it was going off every five seconds when I first started it. To breathe in God and breathe out Tiffany and ask for the next right thought or action to remind myself I am not running this show. And I don't want to. I've learned that. I want to go with your game plan, right? Because that's bigger and better, like the promises say. And um, to say not my will, but thy will be done. And then I was going through something a little later in sobriety and uh, she had me up it to four times a day. And then it was really going off every second. And I um, and then I got to the place where I naturally pause before my alarm goes off. And I switch up the time sometimes. And um, but I still have those four alarms on my phone and they're not on silent when my phone's on silent. They go off on the plane, they go off when I'm in a conversation, they whatever. And um, and I take that moment to pause and um. For me, step 11 is the key, because if I am pausing and asking each day in my morning meditation, what I can do for the man who's still sick for asking, you know, my only role here is to do your work well and help others. God. So what do I do? Well, then whatever is in front of me that day is what to do. And that is my step 12, right? So my step 11 leads me to be open to God's guidance and intuition, like the, like step 11 says for, for my step 12 and how to carry this message to the best of my ability. And it also gets me really sensitive to to 10 step because when I'm connected to God, you know, when I am in patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. I know the difference from when I'm in self-pity, fear, resentment, and selfishness. And so step 11 gives me that um, catalyst, that contrast to know when, you know, like in old school AA terms on the beam or off the beam, you know, like when you, if you lean over and um, try to touch your toes, right. And if you lean on the balls of your feet, and if you go back to the back of your feet, sorry, I'm on y 12 SR girl, (laughs) yoga and the 12 steps you, but, and then you go in the middle, you can feel when there's no effort, there's a balance there. And that, that is what I think step 11 is, is it's that balance between doing and being right. And taking care of yourself and then serving others because there, and it's all, it's all brought together by that conscious contact with God. And I know I used the example yesterday on the phone and I, I love it because I feel like it makes me the marshmallow man is what I'd said. And it's because if someone comes at you with a bat and goes for your knee, right? It's going to hurt. You're going to retaliate. You're going to be resentful, all of these things. Um, But if I am connected in conscious contact with God and I, the more I am, I have, I'm this marshmallow man and someone hits me with a bat, right? For the same reasons, whatever, if it's them or me or a situation, all of a sudden it's funny. Like that doesn't hurt right? But I can see what they're doing in a different way than when I didn't have that connection with God. And all of a sudden God in all of these things that are self, and, and that is, it's evidence it's building. And again, sponsorship is so important. I, I don't know how many times I've called my sponsor and um, she'll ask, did you pod? Were you prayed up when that happened? Where you, did you do your morning meditation when that conversation happened and it didn't go the way that you know, it didn't go all rainbows and, and ice cream. Um, yeah, okay. Well then God has it, right? Like that is that is the truth of the situation.
0: Thank you. Okay, anybody else? All right. Well, um, you mentioned that you're in a new relationship. And part of step 12, which we talked about in accountability yesterday, is practicing principles in all your affairs. Do you mind talking to us about? bringing spiritual principles into your dating life?
1: Uh, yeah. So I have, I, I, I was meditating um, the day before I met him. And um, I said in my head, you know, when, when, and I felt something and don't, I don't get these things very often, but it was definitely a word in a voice that was not mine, that when this person is gifted to you and, um, and it is a challenge, right? And one of my challenges, honestly, is again, I wasn't alcoholic my whole life, but I was a showrunner and I knew what's best for everyone. And I know how this can all work out. If you just do it my way, just like the actor story says, right. Then everything will work out. Um, So even pre-alcoholism, but now a lot of the times my 10 steps are end up with my sponsor when it comes to him, the new guy, um, realizing that I don't, I don't think I've ever been in a healthy relationship, right? I've been married three times, one time, very shortly to an Italian (laughs) it's, I, you know, drunk, um, but yeah, so I but I've always been in this either very passionate or we're very fighting or a lot of like manipulation and selfishness and um and it's very easy and sweet. And yes, we've had two fights in nine months, but that too, oh my God, the ability to be able to call my sponsor and have something seen in me. And again, this is not like therapy. Your sponsor's not your therapist, but this is okay, we know this is your thing right? So you have permission to do it this way. You know, every sponsor, every sponsor is different when it comes to to that. But, um, my biggest role with him is to, and this is the beauty of your fifth step, you know, and, and your ideals, you know, we ask God for sanity. We ask God to mold our ideals and help us live up to them. And one of those things, here's just a, a, a tangible example I struggle with having to define things, define relationships, define where we're going, what the plans are. And she has not let me, my sponsor, do that this entire time, right? Because if I really trust God, just like my daughter, it was a lot easier to give my daughter and say, it's not my daughter, it's God's daughter than it is to give this guy. Because that's my character, character issue is placing relationship on a pedestal above God. And so that's where I am. My sponsor always directs me to be aware, but a tangible example would be, I, I want to know more what he feels <laughs> like. I want more definition. Like we're hanging out. You're, you're here like five days a week. Like, are we moving in together? I want all of these things. Right. Um, and I, I basically just want, like, he insinuated something. He felt to three weeks ago and he's like, well, we just don't have time right now. There's so much I want to tell you. And I'm like, where, where is that conversation? Like, I don't know what's happening. And, um, you know, sh- what, again, a sponsorship is key. She turned around yesterday and said, well, Tiffany, so if your ideal is to be affirmed for what you're doing and how someone cares about you and to be seen and accepted, she said, are you doing those things for him? And I was like, no, no. So to mold our ideals and help us live up to them, I'm not even living up to my ideal. And so all of, and and I look back frequently on my sex inventory and ideal list because at the end of that, my sponsor and I created a list you know, like during whoever on the sex list. Well, what would have been? What would this person have done? And it would have been okay, you know. And I would say that. And I was clueless about how this sex inventory thing worked. All of a sudden, at the end of that, I had a list that oh, he should have been more attentive, and that would have made you feel better. Or he should have um, written you a note every day. I'm making things up because I can't remember. Um, one of them was I wanted to, more communication and to be understood. So all of a sudden, now I have a list. I need to seek to understand. I need to seek to communicate, right? That is my job. I show people how I want to be treated by treating them the same way. And my sponsor brings me that back to that a lot. I have my idealist that because I prayed before and after as directed by my sponsor, she called it bookends. You pray before and after when you're writing your list, you pray before a conversation and after a conversation and thank God, right? It's bookends because I prayed and And more will be revealed to us. Like the book says, but that is my idealist that God revealed to me. And yes, I I add to it at times when she directs me to, but until I can live up to my ideals, I don't look at him as anything that he needs to do for me, because uh, I also went through a breakup during this before I met him, like a few months before I met him. And, um, and I don't know how many times uh, my sponsor would tell me, You need to learn to lay in bed. And, you know, like, what, what do you miss about him? Even though he's doing these things that are not appropriate. And, but don't go back, Tiffany, right? Don't go back. But what do you miss? I miss the cuddling in bed. I miss us laughing. And she was like, Well, then cuddle in bed with God. Like, find the peace that you're seeking. It's just to show you you're seeking in someone else something that God can provide. And so it is it is an interesting thing to be in a relationship recovered because it's it's hard for me it's an equation I'm struggling with right now but I'm giving it to God and um because I it's hard for me who has never been in a super healthy relationship to be okay with him leaving how can that be love that's kind of what I am but that isn't that's health that is God you know my sponsor told me once um, when I was 10-stepping fear, like what if he goes away and I put in all this time and what's my lesson? That was the big one. Like relationships are lessons. What is gonna be the big one this time when it all blows up? Right. Um, instead of, you know, she said, just enjoy your comfy robe. God's given you a tailored, perfect, comfy robe. It's okay to have a comfy robe. And with him, it is basically learning to rely on God, to look to God for every single thing that I want in him, or to be to him what I feel is lacking in the relationship.
0: Yes. I love how you were doing. Okay. What could have this, what could this person have done instead that you would have appreciated? And then you have this list, but it's like, Oh, wait a minute. These are things that I have to do. (laughs) You know, here you are thinking that you're making a list for what they should have done. And now you get to learn is what we get to do. I love that. Well, does anybody have a question before I ask the wrap up question? All right. You know, I was sitting here thinking like, how lucky am I that I get to like host these podcasts and get to talk to these amazing women all the time and learn all these things. I just love it so much. I'm so blessed. And you guys are too, because you get to have the front row seat to everything. So my wrap up question is if you could leave us with one takeaway, one thing that you'd want to leave us with or the listeners um, that you feel is super important, whether it's to get sober or to stay sober or something that you've learned in your sobriety, what would the takeaway that you'd want to leave us with?
1: You know, the parts of the book that say, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start or in Fred's story where it says you don't have to be as badly mangled as some of us were. And my badly mangledness got there because I didn't finish the steps. I didn't get that alcohol wasn't my problem. And the spiritual awakening is as a result of the steps. And then what is the steps? It's still a daily reprieve contingent on our spiritual maintenance. So there are beautiful promises after each step. And sometimes, at least in my experience, I thought those promises that were coming true meant I was good to go but all of the promises don't come true until the end of the 12th step, right? And we and the steps are to stay in 10, 11 and 12. And so for, for me, it is realizing um, that this is a program that has to be finished. You don't get to the end ever, but you don't get the true freedom and the spiritual awakening until you have done all the steps. And then reliance and dependence on God, because I think, um, I know that Kristen's heard me say this, but my sponsor a few months ago said something again, I was 10 something about this guy and she said, you know, let's, let's go. What's the worst that can happen. Right. And I said, you know, he goes away and I've evidence now that I'll be okay. It's not going to be the end of my world. Like some of my divorces. And she said, okay, yeah that's true. You will be okay. She's like, but let's get you to the place that the worst thing that can happen is you lose your connection with God. Right. And I was like, Oh, stubborn heart. Right. (laughs) Because that's my truth. As long as I have my 10, 11 and 12 and my spiritual practice, then I again have evidence that all will be well. It really all works out. Even if, and it's okay to feel all these emotions. It's the whole point of the 10 step, but it will all be okay if I say, and that would be the most tragic thing in my life, because now that I have this way of living, oh my God, if anyone asked me ever, yeah, I'm okay with my daughter being away. I'm okay with this relationship going away. I'm okay with having no idea how to pay this IRS bill because I have this serenity that is matched with calamity because I maintain my connection with God. And so I would say, don't give up on the steps and don't stop because you feel better or you feel like you have peace because yes, that's a third step promise, but you know, the, the obsession truly promises aren't there, even though it says sometimes it's relieved at once in other places, in the book is to the 10th step, right? The 11th step, that conscious contact, the 12 step promises that are, you know, even bigger and better than our little plans and designs. That is the journey to get there that it's, it's not done until you, you're just continuing to work your program.
0: That's all awesome so good it was such a good episode today i can't wait for it to come out and uh the rest of you ladies and tiffany thank you for being here y'all have a fabulous day
1: this podcast is from the magdalene house a recovery community for alcoholic women we are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission
0: at magdalenhouse.org.